Hello, hello, hello. This is the Common Sense Party Podcast. It is July 3rd, and let's get some common sense. Let's get after it. All is lost. Not while I'm standing. Party Podcast today, July 3rd, uh, we're going to talk about critical race theory and wonder why are the Republicans hitching their wagons to political race theory. Uh, I'm going to play two clips, uh, one for PBS and one from C-SPAN. Uh, the first clip is given the definition, and the second clip is one of our generals talking to Congress. So let's get after it. Just start with a basic definitional question. When you hear critical race theory over and over again, what should people understand? How do you define CRT? So I first want to just make a distinction between CRT, which is a theoretical framework that I learned in graduate school or read about in graduate school versus teaching about race and racism in American history critically. So critical race theory is a framework. It's a theoretical framework that was developed in the 1980s by legal scholars to help us understand um, how it is that structural and racial disparities endure in our society and how that is actually engendered in some of our laws and policies. And so the idea was to get us to think uh, systemically as opposed to just thinking that racism manifests um, by individuals just mistreating each other, that there are actual structures in our society that create these different kinds of racial gaps and racial disparities economically um, in terms of housing, in terms of education. And so that's what they do, is that they actually show us how the law, um, how laws that are supposed to be mutual, uh, 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 neutral actually can promulgate or support racial disparities. That's a theoretical framework. I think what we're talking about today, though, is some contestation and conflict over how you teach about race, racial hierarchies, um, critically, racism in schools and society. And so the two are being conflated. And so when you hear people talking repeatedly about critical race theory, what, do you, what is your thought? Well, when I hear people talking about critical race theory, I see that as a straw man for um, many communities, politicians particularly, trying to shape the knowledge base and what we teach students. I think that there is some fear about uh, raising consciousness 
about structural inequality, about structural racism, because it does implicate many of our practices in our society. It implicates what we, it indicates what we would have to do differently in government. And some of that is ideological in terms of there's a lot of resistance to how we, um, how we do things to be fairer and more just in our society. So, you know, there's actually, there are a number of, uh, I read a really good article just uh, yesterday in the New Yorker about the origins of this conflict and who's behind it. And it's a concerted effort by uh, many on the right um, to mitigate the extent to which we really augment and increase the understanding of racism in our society. Yep. That was uh, a professor talking about the difference between teaching race and critical race theory. Again, the Republicans are doing their best to conflate two different issues. And the one thing I don't understand is, well, I do understand, since we don't teach it in school, yeah, that's why, that's why it's really strange that it's, kind of confusing to other people to understand what it is the one thing I know is that these people are bad shit crazy but I just work here okay moving on to our next story well our next clip our next clip is the I guess the highly publicized if publicized is the word Matt Gates, yeah that dude who is under suspicion of transporting a minor to for sex but the Republicans try to to box them in as um, about race theory in the military so go ahead and have a listen Mr. Secretary, why was Lieutenant Colonel Matthew Lohmeyer relieved of his command? It was a decision made by his, uh, by his chain of command, and typically uh, those decisions are made based upon either having confidence or a lack of confidence. This is issue is under uh, investigation by the IG, and so I won't co comment any further on that. In my previous discussions with service members and particularly officers, I would hear about complaints over parts not arriving on time, long deployments, and in my more recent discussions with those officers, the number one issue that they raised to me with concern, often unable to speak publicly for fear of the type of retribution that Lieutenant Colonel Lohmeyer faced, they say that your stand down regarding extremism did not help our military, it hurt the military. And I, I want to share with you that perspective. that. It caused service members to otherize one another. It impaired group cohesion. And interesting to me is that I've heard those sentiments most frequently from units that are majority minority, uh, that, that this was not particularly helpful. So I'm, I wanted to give you the opportunity to maybe share with us more specificity regarding the definitions that seem to be a challenge when Ms. Hartzler was asking questions how should the Department of Defense think about critical race theory? 
Could I make a comment, uh, Secretary? I'm sorry. Well, I'm very limited on my time, General Milley. Well, I, I just want to make a comment. That the well, I know, but I've, I've, I've asked the question to Secretary Austin. I don't, I don't know what the, what the issue of critical race theory is and what the relevance here uh, in, with the department. We do not teach critical race theory. We don't, we don't embrace uh, critical race theory. And I think, I think that's a spurious uh, uh, conversation. And so we are focused on extremist behaviors and, and not, uh, not ideology, not, not, uh, not people's thoughts, not people's uh, uh, political orientation. Behaviors is what we're focused on. But and one final point, and thanks for your anecdotal uh, input, but I would say that I have gotten 10 times that amount of input, 50 times that amount of input uh, on the other side that have said, hey, we're, we're, we're glad to have had the ability to have a conversation with ourselves and with our leadership. And that's what we need to make and sure again, that we're my time, Mr. Secretary. It, it may be that you're receiving that input in the ratios you describe because it was your directive. It may be that people are concerned about criticizing your decision because Lieutenant Colonel Lohmeyer was not relieved of his command for his actions. He was not relieved of his command because of poor performance regarding his duties. He was relieved of his command precisely because of his thoughts and because of his critique of critical race theory. It is particularly helpful that you have said that the Department of Defense does not embrace critical race theory and that you think the discussion is, is not appropriate. I would suggest that it is the ideology that is not appropriate. And it is particularly concerning to me that you have hired a critical race theorist to give you advice on personnel matters. And that person is Bishop Garrison. And I would particularly observe that on July 27, 2019, Bishop Garrison tweeted regarding former President Trump, he's dragging a lot of bad actors out into the sunlight, normalizing their actions. And here's the relevant part. If you support the president, you support that. There is no room for nuance in this. There is no more, but I'm not like that talk. And then he replies to his own tweet with what seems to be a very ethno-nationalist hashtag, hashtag black44. Could you enlighten us as to what advice Mr. Garrison has given you? And are you concerned that while you testify publicly to our committee that the department doesn't embrace critical race theory, you have hired someone who is precisely a critical race theorist. This, this is the first I've ever heard uh, uh, Mr. Garrison be described as a critical race theorist. So this is new. And, did and you, I'm, I'm did sure you review you his would... tweets before you hired him, personally? Did Pardon you, me? Did you review his tweets before you hired him? I, I did not personally review his tweets. I would just ask that maybe that that be helpful. Is there anything you can share in just these final seconds regarding any advice he's given you? Let, let me let me just share one other thing that you brought up, uh, Congressman, about the input that comes to me. You know, I trust my leadership from top to bottom that they will give me fair uh, and, and balanced and unvarnished input. And for you to say that uh, people are telling me uh, what they want to hear, what I want to hear, I get it. But I'm smart enough to that know does that. does happen. I, yeah. And, and, you know, maybe they're telling you what you want to hear. Well, I don't know that they even know what I want to hear. time has expired. Mr. Brown is recognized for five minutes.
Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Chair, and thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. I know my time is very precious, but I would like to yield some of my time to General Milley because I know that he had some comments that he wanted to make when Representative Gates was talking, as well uh, as Mr. Waltz, about a similar subject of the stand-down and, and race theory. Would you like a minute or so to comment on that? Do you remember what we were, what your line of questioning or thought was there? Um, sure. Um, first of all, on the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, but I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America. What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that, because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders, now and in the future, do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong? with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend. And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. That was started at Harvard Law School years ago, and it proposed that there were laws in the United States, anti-bellum laws prior to the Civil War that led to uh, a power differential with African-Americans that were three-quarters of a human being when this country was formed. And then we had a civil war and emancipation proclamation to change it. And we brought it up to the Civil Rights Act in 1964. It took another 100 years to change that. So look it, I do want to know. And I respect your service, and you and I are both Green Berets. But I want to know. And it matters to our military and the discipline and cohesion of this military. And I thank you for the opportunity to make a comment on that. Thank you, General. Uh, changing. Chairman, Mr. Secretary. Yeah, Matt Gates is an idiot, and all people who use critical race theory as a tool for getting votes are idiots because they don't do the research. They're blind to, and it's fear. Is the Republicans are doing the the fear tactic of, hey, we're gonna teach your kids to be less of themselves. Oh, the the country's bad. No. We gotta find out why we have these disparities so it doesn't happen again. But people in power, again, will do little to lose that power. They will do little to change. They will do everything in their, their power to keep power. They'll break the rules, they'll skirt whatever they need to do to keep power. And again, Matt Gates is an idiot, and I hope he gets arrested. Uh, we'll be right back. And we're back. This is the Common Sense Party Podcast. Rate us, review us at Google. Give us five stars. Make us the number one podcast in America. Okay, right now, we turn to the infrastructure deal. Um, uh, they say that they're trying to do fast track two, two deals. One bipartisan, another through budget budget res, uh, 
budget reconciliation. If you didn't know, budget reconciliation is where it's done by a simple majority, which the Democrats have. And guess what? Guess who's standing in the way? Mr. Joe Manchin, as usual. Uh, recently, they tried to debate the bill, and the Republicans shot it down. But let's hear it from the scum himself. Progressive's concern is if they get on board and sign on to this bipartisan bill, then senators like you are going to lose your appetite for doing another big economic package. What's your response to that? I don't think that at all. There's a need in both. The social adjustments that we need to make in this country to help working families survive and prosper and, and maybe attain that American dream. It should never be a dream that has died and gone away. The American dream is what gets us up every morning and works every day as hard as we do. Let's give them a chance at that. So we know we need those adjustments. But saying I'm going to not vote for the other one because you haven't guaranteed to vote for everything. We've never done legislation that way. I've never been a part of it in 10 years I've been in the Senate. So let's work the legislation the way it's going to be presented. Let's make sure it goes through the process, make sure it goes to the committees, comes back to the floor, and let's work it. If no Republicans, which I don't think we will have on the second one, I'm not assuming that, but I've heard him speak. So then we're going to have to work it through reconciliation, which I've agreed that that can be done. I just haven't agreed on the amount because I haven't seen everything that everybody is wanting to put into a bill. This statement by... Yep, that's from the Brian Taylor Cohen podcast where Manton said he'll vote for bipartisan and a reconciliation which I doubt he is because he's two-faced it and don't trust him he's trying to be bipartisanship bipartisanship to people who turn their nose up at bipartisanship they don't give a shit about bipartisanship they want to keep power anyway I do not understand why why they come to a gunfight with a knife. Honestly, I don't. I really, really don't. We're going to keep an eye on this because Pelosi said that she's not going to sign any bill if they if they send the bill back to the House for ratification and... The budget, uh, the budget reconciliation bill is not available. She's not going to take it up. So she's doing her best to get it done for our people. But the Republicans are doing their best to fuck shit up. All right, moving on to the next story, which is bipartisanship. Um, McCarthy, the slime ball, doesn't want to have a commission for the January 6th but you know he's an ass he's on Trump's teeth or nipple trying to gain back the house but let's hear it from him this is from CNN Carthy so afraid of multiple Republican sources tell our Jamie Gangel that the House Minority Leader issued a blanket threat to freshman Republicans that any who joined the select committee investigating the deadly insurrection 
invited by Pelosi to do so if they were would lose their committee seats. This as Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney accepted an offer from Pelosi to do just that and join seven Democrats on the committee saying oath to the Constitution comes before partisan politics. A move that McCarthy slammed to Ramani Rashi. You haven't even criticized some of your own members like Andrew Clyde who said that it was a normal tourist visit that day yet she can lose her committee assignments for wanting to investigate what happened. Why would I, I, didn't, I did not say, let me be very clear, I'm not threatening anybody with committee assignments. What I'm saying is, it was shocking to me that if a person is a Republican, they get their committee assignments from the Republican conference. For somebody to accept committee assignments from Speaker Pelosi, that's unprecedented. Manu Raju is out front. Manu, it is very clear McCarthy and his conference want no part of this committee or any committee, I guess. Yeah, no question about it. They are concerned about where this committee could go. They're concerned about taking back the House majority in 2022. That is the overriding concern for Kevin McCarthy. And it's still unclear, Poppy, at this hour, what Kevin McCarthy will do with the five appointments that he gets to the committee. He's in a bit of a difficult position because the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, ultimately could veto picks that she does that he, she doesn't like if McCarthy chooses people potentially who downplayed the Capitol insurrection, people who have espoused conspiracies, people who voted to overturn the electoral results. It's unclear if he'll choose people from that camp. It's also difficult for him to find other Republicans, but including moderates and people in swing districts. And talking to a number of Republican House members today, it was clear virtually none of them want to serve on this committee. They viewed it as a lose proposition, something that could put them crosswise with the former president, Donald Trump, or at the very least, they could, they would, if they were sided with Trump, they could be accused of whitewashing history, which makes a big decision on McCarthy's plate. Will he move forward with naming picks? Will he not do it? Will he boycott? We get some expectation that ultimately he will choose to name some, some uh, choices to the committee. Now, the committee will does still plan to move forward. They do plan to have their first hearing with Capitol Police officers to detail their experiences from that day, and they will go far, they could go long. The, the chairman of the committee, Benny Thompson, told me that this could go on and through next year. This is not gonna be done by the end of this year. And I asked him, will you call in former President Donald Trump? He did not, he said he's not opposed to calling him in, and he's also open to calling in those Republican members of Congress who had conversations with Trump ahead of January 6th. Okay, <clears throat> that would include Kevin McCarthy. Manu, Raju, thanks very much out front. Now, Mike Shields, he is currently a paid strategist for House Minority Leader. Kevin McCarthy, also former RNC Chief of Staff. Mike, good evening. Thanks, good for, evening. Taking, ta thanks for taking the time. Um, look, Kevin McCarthy could have supported a bipartisan committee like 35 Republicans in the House voted to do. He didn't, even after Speaker Pelosi literally gave in on nearly all his demands outlined in that February 22nd letter like equal representation by Democrats and Republicans, co-equal subpoena power, but he didn't. Why is he dead set against getting answers here and investigating the insurrection? Well, this is a partisan committee, and I, I, I disagree with you. Kevin McCarthy, yes, I am a paid um, advisor to Kevin, but I don't talk to him about this stuff because it's official business, but from a political perspective, this is a partisan committee, and Kevin did propose to do a bipartisan committee that would look at political violence, for instance, his colleague, Steve Scalise, was shot on a baseball field through political violence. Why would we only focus on January 6th? And the reason is pretty simple. Democrats know they're in a terrible position in 2022 to win to keep the House. They want to 
drum this up for political purposes, and they just keep talking about it over so and Mike, over again. Mike. And so now they've created a committee where Pelosi gets signed off even so, on any so of the appointments that a Republican So if you're in the minority and you don't get every single thing you want, that last thing that he wanted wasn't even in this February 22nd letter. He added it later after Pelosi gave him literally everything he outlined in this letter. If you're in the minority, you don't get everything you want, then you don't look at an attack on the Capitol even when you were inside of it. Look, right? this, was a, this was a partisan process from the very beginning. The first proposal that Nancy Pelosi made was that it wouldn't be equal, that they would, ha they would be in charge of the process. Here we are now. Look. She's basically gotten what she originally proposed, which is they're in charge of the process. It's political theater. There are currently, so yesterday, yesterday the Washington Post that said that 12 more people in one day were arrested for this. The FBI is investigating this. There's actually juries and indictments happening, which, by the way, is great. I'm for that. I support the Capitol Police. I believe anyone who did anything on January 6th that's illegal should go to jail. That's, that's exactly Fine, but what But Kevin happen. McCarthy has made, thank you for stating that you want answers here. Kevin McCarthy clear, clearly doesn't from any sort, of, not sort of committee. It's not true. Does he they're have not, a personal, Mike, just let me finish, They're looking Mike. for politics. Let me, they're looking let me to win elections the questions. and make it political. Just let me get a question out. You answer it. We'll go back and forth on that. Does he have a personal conflict of interest here? Because remember, he was talking to President Trump in the weeks leading up to January 6th. He supported and carried on the big lie. And he may be, could be, as Manu just reported again, called as a witness because of his phone call with President Trump. Is he personally afraid that he may be vulnerable in this investigation? No, and he's, he's I'm just repeating what he, he's spoken on the record about that. And so he's made that clear and he's clarified that. But here's the thing. This, what you have to remember is, this is all about politics. This is political theater. Nothing is going to be accomplished here. The Benghazi you, well, on, you investigation to answer. get to the truth. Papa, you said you're going to ask questions. You said I can answer. But I'm answer, answer the, the question, question I'm asking. I, I am. This is about politics. That is the answer to the question. Benny Thompson just came out and said, actually, you know, we may not just stick to our old deadline of the end of the year. We may just keep doing this forever, and that tells you everything you need to know about this. Do this you? is a political issue and and by the way as a, as a campaign operative as a republican yes. i'm kind of glad I, if the democrats want to run on 22 about january 6 which affects no one's lives in this country every day republicans what? are going to run on securing the border wait, wait, hold They're on gonna... january 6 affects no one's lives in this country this this commission is not going to affect is that people's what you, lives but no, of course not. How could it not it's, having it's answers not to put an ongoing threat it's not going to help them with their taxes an ongoing threat mike an ongoing threat, a life or death threat, according to DHS and sure. the FBI. Sure, and that's why the FBI is investigating. It it. A political theater has no bearing Look, on that. Do, All that do is you remember? About do I need to remind you what Kevin McCarthy said about Benghazi and that commission? Let's find the truth wherever the truth takes us. And you know what? Why and that commission, Republicans time? didn't have sign off on Democrats getting on the commission. That's a great example. Republicans did not have sign off on who they put on their committee. Democrats have created a partisan process where they have sign-off on it, and so what's the point? That is not going to solve any problems in this country. It's actually going to make them worse. We should either investigate all of the political violence that happened in this country last year, going all the way back to when members of Congress were actually shot, or we should say for what this is. The FBI is investigating it. That should happen. That should carry on. There are bipartisan committees in Congress that are actually looking at this. This is a sham political process that Nancy Pelosi has created, and Republicans are absolutely right to focus on the real issues American okay. people care about. One more question for you, Mike. Help, help me understand this. Liz Cheney is as conservative a Republican as you get. I don't need to tell you her voting record. You know it, 96% conservative rating. 
Why is Kevin McCarthy so worried about Liz Cheney accepting this position from Speaker Pelosi? Well, he's not worried about it. I mean, he made it he, very clear today. No, what he made clear today, and he clarified it in the clip you showed, is that when you get your committee assignments in the House, they are granted to you by the conference together. They vote on your committee assignments. And it's just telling the reality of the situation. If you're a Republican and you go work on a partisan sham committee with this Democratic speaker, your colleagues are going to be upset with you and they're going to hold you accountable for that. And all Kevin is doing is telling the truth that that's the reality of what happens when you do that. It could have been bipartisan. Mike it could have been. It, it could have been a long time ago if they'd agreed to have uh, the things that Kevin had proposed. They chose not yeah. to do that. We're in a partisan world. That's Washington, D.C. Everyone knows this is a political game. And I think Republicans are going to move on to the issues that actually matter in the election. I think answers here matter a lot. Uh, Mike Schultz, we'll have you back. Thank you for the time. Thanks. Tonight, what is Kevin McCarthy? Wow. There you go. If you didn't know what the Republican playbook is, blame the Democrats. Blame the Democrats. Everything is a sham. Sham, 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 sham. Okay. Everything he said about a sham and it didn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. They don't care because they moved on. All they're worried about is getting back the House, winning the Senate. They won't win the presidency till the next election, but I don't think they will. But if they get through with the voting rights bill, they might. All right. Well, today we talk about. What did we talk about today? We talked about critical race theory. We also talked about Kevin McCarthy and and how why the Democrats why does Democrats come all the time with a damn knife to a gunfight? So we really gotta do better better for everything we do because I really don't understand why it's so hard for this country to get it together so Again, this is a Common Sense Party podcast. Read us, review us on Google. Give us five stars. Let's make this the best podcast in America. And we're out. All is lost. Not while I'm standing. Brightest day, blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. <laughs>